Welcome to The Last Supper, a weekly podcast featuring emergent and established artists, gallerists, curators and collectors in Asia. Hello, I'm your podcast host Oscar Van Huys, a Dutch Korean entrepreneur and artist based on Lama Island in Hong Kong. In this episode, I met Amanda Sun, who is the founder of Arts for Good, a social enterprise that is dedicated to social inclusion for future generations through the soft power of arts and culture in Hong Kong. We spoke about a range of subjects, including what drove her to begin Arts for Good, and we delved into the purpose and impact of her art-making programs. I like to emphasize that this weekly podcast is entirely free. However, each weekly episode requires enormous personal resources, so I'm asking you a very simple favor. If you enjoyed this podcast, please ensure you subscribe to this podcast channel and share this podcast with your colleagues or friends. Without your support, this podcast would not be possible. And before we begin, I'd like to mention that the Last Supper podcast is supported by the Hong Kong Art Gallery Association, a member-based non-profit organization of established local and international art galleries in Hong Kong. Hello everyone and a very warm welcome Amanda. It's a real pleasure to have you on my podcast and how are you today? Thank you Oscar, thank you for having me. Okay, let's begin and let's start with the space that we're in because this isn't your typical art studio. How would you describe the recording space that we're in at the moment? We are in a office of a investment company. One of my friends lent this office space to us for this interview. So this is, I think this is a quiet setting that we can, we can talk and record with good sound quality. And what's more is that we have two photographers taking photos, which is a first for me. So you may hear some light clicking of the cameras on the background. Now, I know you're a passionate networker and you are visiting many events here in Hong Kong. I wonder if I were to meet you at a dinner and ask you what do you do, what would you say and how would you introduce yourself? I run a social enterprise, try to harnessing the power of arts and make a social change. I've said this about 20 times last night <laughs> in a dinner. <laughs> And what do people say and what is their response when you explain what you do? Um, yeah, so what kind of arts people usually ask? What kind of arts you do? Music, performance art. And I say usually more in the visual arts. But since my team and the collaborators are growing, so more people are interested in the filmmaking and video arts. And so initially I was planning for visual arts only. Now it's slowly extended to visual arts, filmmaking, digital arts, and, uh, and even performance art. You highlighted that your focus is on several domains in the arts. Why visual, filmmaking, digital art and performance art? Why these four areas? Because they are very specific. Visual arts is coming from my passion. It's coming from who I am, what I love to do, and then how I feel the visual art that has impact on my life, how I believe the power of visual art. Um, music, filmmaking are not my expertise, but since I work based on a collaboration, based on working with a lot of young people, young artists, they come to me and they say, hey, Amanda, this is something I wanted to do. And I see how the social impact potential it might have, and then we just go for it. 
So it's also based on who I collaborate with. We began straight away with what you do, but maybe we need to take a few steps back and delve a little bit deeper into how you arrived and began Art for Good, the foundation. As an entrepreneur myself, I know that beginning your own business is incredibly tough and difficult. So what can you tell me about what drove you to consider working with art and setting this up? That's a very good question. And I will have to tell you, it won't start from a few years back. It will start from how I started my life. I think it's a long journey of self-discovery reflection of who I am and what I wanted to do for my life. I grew up in mainland China, in a beautiful place in Hangzhou. And my dad is a lifelong sports club advocate. So he believes the sports can build communities, how people connect with each other. In university, I wanted to kind of inherit that kind of passion from my dad. So I go to study recreation and leisure studies, tourism planning and policies, particularly studying about sports events, you know, how the sports can bring a city in the international place. How do we attract tourists to come to Hong Kong, come to a particular place? My goal of finishing that program is to work in the Olympic, which is 2008. I graduated in 2007. <laughs> that was my life plan. But unfortunately, it did not happen. And then when I came to Hong Kong in 2010, nobody was trying to understand what recreation is back then. If you can imagine what's happening in 2010, you know, after the, the layman. So I was in a place that I feel very, very lost. I feel I wanted to work with the tourism board, but I can't because I was not a permanent resident of Hong Kong. And then I don't read and write traditional Cantonese. So I decided to work in NGOs and work in universities as an education researcher. So I work in basically all my past years as an education researcher in universities and in NGOs. And then after the social unrest, I start to thinking about what is the commonalities for the city. And, you know, how I grew up, I believe the power of arts, power of sports, because I'm an art lover from a young age. I grew up with stories because my dad is such a big fan of sports. I grew up with Olympic like stories. I can tell you all those Olympic stories, the st Olympic star stories. <laughs> I grew up with those stories. And I love arts, and I believe arts and sports, the power of them in social change, in how does it build a community together, how it position the city in the international kind of a stage. So I start thinking what are the commonalities in Hong Kong, how to bring people together. And arts is a way in. When the world word fails, then art is a way in. That's what I believe. So um, I decided to start for Arts for Good. Um, but of course, during the incubation period of time, I have a lot of people help me, expats, locals, people from very diverse backgrounds, give me ideas. And also we share our life journeys in Hong Kong, how everybody feel about it. 
Hong Kong has been such an international finance center for the past years, but all those talents come to Hong Kong. They need more meanings than that, than their professional career. And I believe arts is the future of Hong Kong. How to retain those talents in Hong Kong? How to educate our future generations? How to kind of foster that belongings and the community emotional community connections with Hong Kong? Yeah, so that's basically how I started. <laughs> how did you end up doing this in Hong Kong? Or maybe I'm not fully informed. And have you already run art programs in mainland China? Um, actually, I do. I, when I was studying in Canada, I do a lot of kind of interns and, and studies, like kind of you know the the projects with um, the events in China. So I fly to China. That was during the time I was in school. Why I came to Hong Kong? You know, people told me people come to Hong Kong for either work and love. <laughs> If it's not work, then it's love, and it, neither of them last. <laughs> So if you want to tell that story, this is a story, and I think this is what the fascinate Hong Kong is: is bring people together to this place. I never knew that Hong Kong was known for these two things. Really fascinating. So when you began Art for Good, how has that concept developed over the years, or did you have a very clear idea when you started Art for Good? No, it's not, but it's going to a good direction. I would say. I was very fascinated by the energy that I found from people who come to help me, including the two photographers today who came here to help me. I was very fascinated about. I feel like I seems to find the commonalities in the community, or maybe it's a COVID, to be honest, because I started after the social unrest, the beginning of the the COVID. I think everybody was stuck at home and looking for meaningful things to do, and I reach out. I reach out to lots and lots of people in arts, social innovations, young people, universities, and I say, "Hey, this is what I want to do. Can you help?" So, if you want to ask me how I set arts for good for the past two years, I can tell you completely by volunteers, including anything you name it: logo designs, communications, interviews, website. Artists, a lot of artists come to work with us. Not a lot, I wouldn't say. Sorry, it's mostly young artists are looking for projects or portfolios or have good ideas who want to seeking for support, and we just work together, driven by passion. You must have really persuasive skills that you're able to run this social enterprise with an entire team of volunteers. I don't know if I'm very a persuasive person, or I think the. Drive behind arts for good. I think a lot of people help me, not even knowing me. They don't never met me. They never talk to me. We have students coming from UK and email me. We have volunteers almost every week email me. Hey, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I help? And everything we're doing with Arts for Good Foundation, we want it to be bilingual because that's what I believe. Hong Kong should not be divided by what language you speak. So we need a lot of translators, communications, all in bilingual, and this is all done by volunteers. The social enterprise you founded, Arts for Good. What does good mean to you? How would you explain what Art for Good stands for? 
or how would you communicate what good is? You know, this is amazing that this is the first question. This is also the first question that one of my advisors asked me before I started. She said, "What is a good? What's a good you wanted to bring?" Some people do good through a therapist. Some people do good. So, what is the good of arts? For us, arts is to build communities. Is to reconnect people together. It's a soft power of arts that we we are talking about for the good of our future society. We believe in the soft power of arts. How do we arts in foster imagination? I recently, not recently, but I found it after I started this foundation. Imagination is a skill. I grew up with it, but I realized a lot of people in Hong Kong they don't have that skills. Imagination, people's life is actually a skill, and that's how arts bring it to us because it illustrates ex- human experience that is universal, that's nonverbal. And I wanted the children and then the youth as well to have that kind of imagination skills. It's kind of like when you're thinking about the design thinking right now in adults. A lot of people are talking about design thinking. It's people-centered design thinking. But do we do that in education earlier? The children and the youth, do they know how to imagine? Do they know how to people first, you know, design and you know programs? Do they know how to tell a good story to impact people's life? I was very blessed and grew up in the eighties in China, when we didn't have that much things, material things available for us. We have a lot of room to imagine, to think, tell good stories. How do we impact people's heart? If you cannot impact on people's brain, impact on people's heart, and they will change that brain by themselves. I would like to hear your thoughts on this. It appears that, at least from my understanding, is that there's a mutual benefit. You do something that you are really passionate about while learning more about art, and in return, the participants that you work with become more knowledgeable about art as well. So there's a True kind of win-win approach because both stakeholders benefit. Is that a fair description? Yeah, exactly. This is also, as I said, is a self-discovery journey, and what Hong Kong means to me, and also Hong Kong. What mean Hong Kong? What Hong Kong means to everybody. This is basically the story of Hong Kong that we're doing through Arts for Good Foundation. We we are collecting stories of Hong Kong. So anything related to Hong Kong story, what Hong Kong means, we're very into it. And everybody can see Hong Kong very differently, and this is what the beauty of this place is. Like yesterday, I met eighteen people, eighteen stories of how they came to Hong Kong, what Hong Kong means to them, and what they want to do for Hong Kong. And I feel this is what my passion leads.、Um, this is what I can do well. And as you said, you're right. This, I kind of find my value, find my purpose through Arts for Good Foundation as well. By the sound of it, you are a serial storyteller collector, and you must have heard many fascinating stories from people who you have met and worked with. What types of stories can you recount and remember, and what do people in Hong Kong share with you? So anything related to Hong Kong story, what Hong Kong means,、um, we're very into it, and everybody can see Hong Kong very differently, and this is what. The beauty of this place is, but eighteen stories of how they came to Hong Kong, what Hong Kong means to them, and what they want to do for Hong Kong. So, this is what my passion leads.、Um, 
um, this is what I can do well. <laughs> and as you said, you're right. This, I kind of find my value, find my purpose uh, through Arts for Good Foundation as well. So since you are a serious story collector, <laughs> I would say, um, what are the stories that people then tell you? I mean, the, the, is there a particular, not sure, trend, but if you hundreds of stories, if you would categorize and talk about? <clears throat> um, people are talking about their life, you know, their life journeys in Hong Kong, the change. I'm particularly fascinated how the people work together with the neighborhood and community. Um, I mean, I recently fascinated by new territory. You know, if you think about new territory, the meaning is changing historically and also to the future. His new territory is just a border between China and Hong Kong, and that border is changing. I mean, that's so many things we can reflect what happens to a new territory before and after. So a lot of artists are very fascinated about new territory, different places in new territory, different neighborhoods in new territory. And yeah, so we are, we are very... Um, Hong Kong Island as well, you know, the story of Chai. I'm, I'm very interested. Every time I go there, I heard this MTR sound is rolling over my head. Can you imagine a place without MTR? And that place just before was just like a few hills. I mean, if you can imagine the differences that's happening to each of the neighborhood, that's how fascinating. That's what fascinates me. And then you're right. Everybody have the experience in different places. So I always meet new people. And the first question I ask is, where do you live? Uh, people ask you, where do you live? A lot of thinking, okay, you know, how expensive your housing could be, right? <laughs> this is a very standard question in Hong Kong. But for me, when people tell me where do they live, I start to imagine how their life is in Hong Kong. Do they drive? Like, if you tell me you're in the Lama Island, I imagine you take the ferry every day. And that's what fascinated me about, you know, like I feel people tell me where they live and I imagine how do they go to work, you know, <laughs> how do they take a bus? Um, how do they interact with people? Public housing, how do they in interact with the neighbors? In the private housing, we don't do that. <laughs> That's the differences. <laughs> Over the last few years, you have hosted and facilitated many art workshops here in Hong Kong. What can you tell us about the format of your art workshops and programs? I won't call it a workshop, it's more of an art making projects. So we're constantly making arts with young people. But a lot of projects we cannot just have working with a particular a small group. We need a lot of people, different talents. Like we make a short film, we need a cameraman, editor, artistic, you know, different kind of skills. And this is what we've been doing. We, art making is also a big part of the projects of Arts for Good Foundation. We're taking young people together to make arts with us and with artists as well. So if they have a creative talents, we want them to contribute to the projects that we're doing and making something meaningful for Hong Kong. When you run an art making program, is the focus primarily on the emergence of the creation or do you also hold, for example, an exhibition of the works that participants have created? Can you speak more about how an art program works? 
I don't know. I might. I have actually quite a few of works already at home or at places, different places. It might lead to exhibition, and then it's most of them. Are, I would call it community engagement art. We have actually textile, films, video art, calligraphy, Chinese ink painting, but it's all connected to community stories, connected to younger generations, as well. Yeah, I, it might lead to some sort of exhibition. I don't know, but um, we'll see. It's part of the plan, though. When I think of the art making program, do I need to imagine it's a one-off art making session? Or is this a longer series of activities? We try to introduce things more regularly.、Uh, this is what we're working on. But some of the art making projects, it's gone through like a few months. Like some of the art making, you know, the participant doesn't have to be exactly he- here with us. You know, if they're designing a sound, for example, for the short films, I just need to brief them. Talk to them, and then they design, and then we see how can we work together. Some of the projects, like the textile performance art we did before, it went through almost half year. So, and then also other than art making, we also do art viewing. I don't call it art appreciation or art tours. I call it art viewing because it's natural. Like you view the city, right? Like you view art. What we wanted to do is train a good storytellers and facilitators. Rather than having an art expert teach them how to view art, so that's why we call it art viewing. We have art viewing programs. We are introducing it to our schools, our NGOs. We are planning to do it more regularly as after-school curriculum for schools. Hopefully, to start very soon. And then also the other unique part of our program is community service through art. We noticed that in Hong Kong, that so many young people are so talented artistically. But a lot of young people in Hong Kong who don't have art access. So basically, what we're looking at is the art talents in equality, and how do we bring resources, balanced resources from each other. For example, university students or kids from more of a privileged backgrounds, they have artistic talents. They serve the underprivileged or the communities with children or youth who don't have the access to arts, and using their talents to. You know, change other people's life, giving them extra meanings with arts. This is a particularly part that we're working on—a community service part, and also that's a key part that we work with the corporates as well. How do we creating deep community programs for corporate volunteers as well as for the university volunteers as well? And how do you develop these programs? Do you do this by yourself or? You collaborate with artists and art practitioners. How does this work? Yeah, I, I'm the I'm I'm a designer, but I don't do it on my own. I always talk to artists. Sometimes the idea may come from an artist. Sometimes the idea may coming from university student. The sound art projects can completely coming from a 24 years old student who wanted to pursue master of art in Hong Kong. And she came to me and she said the sound art about cross generation differences is really fascinating her and I and I start looking into it and I feel it's very interesting, and I that's why I started to developing it right now. So it's not completely coming from me, but I'm probably the one that executed, developed it, and working together with the people contributing to the projects. You've worked with artists. And I wonder what you can tell me about how you collaborate with them. What types of collaborations do you have with artists and art practitioners? 
Um, there's several different forms, actually, different ways we can work together. Some of the artists who are very passionate about communities, stories, things like that, they may not have a good exposure or never had experience. We work together and probably give them a first or second projects of their professional life. The recent film that we did is actually working with a, a young artist, a filmmaker from Beijing Film Academy and also from UK in filmmaking. This is her first film in Hong Kong, and we did it beautifully. Um, so um, also the textile project as, as well, our, our first project was also, uh, we did it together with a textile artist who just graduated from UK and came to Hong Kong working as a kindergarten teacher. And then she's pursuing her life as an artist. Now she's getting so busy, I can't even get a hold of her. <laughs> but when she worked with me at the beginning of 2020, or end of 2020, yeah, uh, it was a good timing for her. We also working with artists who wanted to, like some artists who want to just do more of a social meaning work together. Not through their work, but maybe they have ideas, they want to collaborate with us, or they can let us to share their story and share their work in the education sector. And they're happy to do that as well. Eventually, we hope to work more with the corporates, public and private sectors, and to be able to commission the artists to do more projects together. That's more of a long-term project. But in the past two years, most of the artists work with us as a pro bono basis. But we're creating the projects that are meaningful for them uh, as well. Either we always think about how does the project help them to build their artistic career. Like the first textile artist, the project we did together, we did a special performance at the mills. That's for her. Maybe it's a good exposure, as she's very into textile. And also the film work that we're doing right now, we try to finish all the editing and the sound. We wanted to do some short film fest for the director as well. So that's give her a more of an exposure to in the professional world as well. So we're trying to help a lot of young artists. And meanwhile, designing arts education programs for younger beneficiaries. Working with corporations is another area that you're working on. If I were a corporation, what can I expect from Arts for Good if I were to collaborate? I think that this year, we're starting to get some inquiries and interest of how do we work with corporates as well. Well, let's put it that way. Corporates are, they have space and this space for art, but then how do we using the art space and creating more of a community story that connect with the people living in this place rather than just walk past by, oh, that's a beautiful artwork hanging there. Is there any story about our community, about Hong Kong, about the things that they care about, the social issues in Hong Kong? I mean, right now, I don't know if I can discuss too much of it, but it's really a starting kind of a, people are getting noticed of the work that we're doing. How do we using arts in social impact? And the corporate all have that social responsibility sector and social responsibility team. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be an easy process, but it's more of a long-term plan. Right. So how do you curate and find new artists to collaborate with? 
Any chance, I go to a lot of galleries. <laughs> I go to openings, basically a lot of openings, the school graduation exhibitions. If I go, I meet artists, I talk to them. Uh, it may not be like instant collaboration. It's just really uh, understanding who this person is, what is her artistic journey. And whenever something comes up, then, you know, you just think of that person. Some people may help, some people may not. It doesn't matter, right? It may be a right timing. People want to do something meaningful. It may not be a right timing, but it doesn't matter. But we don't really, we try to collaborate with artists that also help them in their artistic journey as well. Like, you know, we're not doing NFT and fundraising for our foundation, but we're really helping them with their artistic journey. And meanwhile, designing education programs for younger generations as well. So it's kind of a win-win. The artists that you have worked with so far appear to be all Hong Kong-based. Is that a coincidence or has that been a necessity because of the COVID restrictions here in Hong Kong? Yeah, they're all living here, including the, 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 China, the, the Chinese director as well. But I only worked with six, seven artists in the past two years, most of them in Hong Kong, but coming from different backgrounds. They're not, they're coming from maybe an international family or they're coming to relocate this place uh, with their family or they may be local artists that graduated or someone have professional job and have the artistic dream. And the recent um, calligraphy project we did was a Chinese calligraphy and Chinese ink painter. She's a full-time professional she has her artistic dream and these are perfect because we want to work with the artists who are driven by passion driven by the passion they have for their art so we don't really do higher service at this moment we might in the future if we have more collaborations and the resources available but right now we really try to collaborate with artists who who wanted to show their work do social impact educate younger generation and creating new possibilities to show their work as well. What else do you have lined up or what else are you working on at the moment, Amanda? In the summer, we were referred by NGOs. You know, NGOs have some programs for ethnic minorities. Most of them are very underprivileged, living in Yomate and some shape or coming from Philippines or Nepalese. A lot of them are a great artist as well in their own country. And they will never be able to practice art in Hong Kong because maybe they don't have space. Maybe they are very busy to make a living. A lot of, probably some of them work in a restaurant. So we were referred by NGOs, a few cases. I absolutely love them. And their story are very touching. And I hope to work with more NGOs as well to kind of expand the network to the communities who may not have that space to create in Hong Kong. So I'm hoping that another plan is to having kind of a space for my foundation so that I can have artists in my place to practice art. So this is also something we're working on as well, to have a permanent a studio, a good size. I don't know what size it could be, good size in Hong Kong, but <laughs> that be allowed some artists coming from more of an underprivileged background to be able to practice art in Hong Kong and bring that diversity to the art scene as well. What you just mentioned about having a space for artists to work, is that similar to an artist's residence? Hopefully. I won't call it residence. I don't know if I have the resources yet. I have to be very careful of my words now. <laughs> Can't talk too big when I'm doing things that are so small. <laughs> 
I'm sure, Amanda, you'll be very successful setting this up. And if I'm a person who is looking to help your social enterprise, Arts for Good, who are you looking for and what resources are most needed at the moment? Anything. Anything. (laughs) Basically, this is what I think social change is about. It needs to be on a collaborative basis. Public, private, artists, schools, NGOs. I'm looking for basically people who believe the social power of art. Not a lot of people believe that. (laughs) And I believe in deeply, personally and professionally. And that's how I expanded my network and talked to people. That's basically, yeah, I mean, everybody who believes the social, social power of art, and everybody wants to do good things for Hong Kong, anybody want to make changes to Hong Kong, to the future good of Hong Kong, and we are very eager to connect. Last night, I went to a house of innovators, kind of a networking event, that so many young people and asked them, I said, am I too old for this innovator house? <laughs> They're like, no, 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 you're very welcome. And young people are very, very passionate to make changes for the good of Hong Kong. But they need probably a bit of guidance and professional help as well. So that's why skill-based professionals are, we are also very eager to connect. We have a lot of skill-based professionals, a lot of bankers actually help us in the office hours, editing our newsletter, (laughs) helping us translate, all things like that. You know, any bit helps. And then even the sound art project, if you're done by young people, if I have some musicians to take a look, hey, what do you think of it? That's what we believe, how we make changes to to the good of our future. Yeah, so if you say who wanted to connect with, basically... Anybody have that skill? Like you helping me to do today to do this uh, podcast and helping in the marketing aspect of it already. (laughs) You said previously that some people are a little bit reluctant to believe that art can shift perspectives and viewpoints. Is that because this is based on past experience? It is through experience, of course. People all grown up in very different backgrounds. Hong Kong is very diverse. Not everybody share my life experience or understand what, you know, the change-making process I have been through. So it's okay, you know, like not everybody, you can't can have a one mission that everybody believes in it, which is completely fine. Also in Hong Kong, reality-wise, people are just way too busy. People want to make time for you. It must be something awesome. They think it's meaningful for their life. You come here for a few hours Half day today is gone. Why would you want to do that? Because it's something meaningful for you, that what you wanted to do as well. So this is what I think. It's not because people don't believe me or people don't think arts for good is an awesome thing or good thing. Maybe people are just too busy to think about that, and which is fine. I believe eventually people will come. At the start, I mentioned that we have two professional photographers taking pictures as well while recording this podcast. So I would like to thank them for their patience and being so extremely quiet during this recording. We have uh, Benson and Benson's wife, Zoe, here. They were professional photographers for quite big magazine brands. And they start their own social enterprise called So Good. It's also how to explore photography can impact people's life. 
So we connect very well. They're very specified in photography. My first project was actually a photography project uh, in the community. The project that we're doing storytelling is other than taking photos, we want to introduce the younger generations that photography is also a perspective taking. Photography is how the photographer see the world. Is how the photographer deliver the emotion through the photography. And this is what we want a younger generation to understand the concept of our photography project. But we don't teach them how to take photos. We teach them how to think, how to express the expression through the photography. Thank you, Benson and Zoe. I really, really appreciate it. And it's a, it's, a, it's a rainy day. Every time I have something important, it's always raining to make my life extremely difficult. But thank you. <laughs> It is really pouring today and it's been raining for the last few days. But let's conclude this podcast of The Last Supper with my final question. Amanda, if you were to have your last supper, which artist would you invite and why? Um, wow, that's a really, really big question. I don't know. Can I have a group artist at dinner? <laughs> Okay, let me think. Hope impact my life a lot. Maybe I think I will I will invite of King of Kowloon. I think he is the first you know, Hong Kong okay, maybe this is wrong, but from my perspective, I think Hong Kong has not many art movements other than the New Ink movement. I think he's so cool. He's a one man band starting an art movement in his whole life and then impact on people, impact Hong Kong in such a long run that he probably didn't get to see it. I wish I was born in that generation. A lot of people say, oh, I saw him did that. I said, did you take a photo of it? No. <laughs> you know, like I was like, oh my goodness, what happened if you took photo back then then? So I think this is pretty cool. I think a one man band starting an art movement in that particular period of time in Hong Kong. Something I admire him a lot. It's been an amazing conversation, Amanda, and many thanks for organizing this recording space. And I'm looking forward to seeing your next art-making initiative. Thank you so much, Oscar. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, The Last Supper with Amanda Sun, founder of Arts for Good. That's it for this episode of The Last Supper. I already mentioned this at the beginning of this podcast, but in order to continue to offer episodes for free, we will need your support. Simply subscribe to this podcast, give it a star rating, leave a comment or share it with people who you think benefit as well from listening to this weekly podcast about art in Asia. You can find more information on my Instagram at thelastsupper.asia and on my website www.oscarvenhuis.com. And before I go, if you have any further questions or suggestions, feel free to message me on my email. And don't worry if you don't have a pen and paper to write it all down because I will post all the links, references of my guest and my contacts email in this podcast description as well. 